Here, we found toddlers tied to bamboo seats, with their legs splayed over makeshift potties. All girls, of course, unless they are handicapped boys, but healthy boys is never abandoned, ever. We wanted to see for ourselves that it really is only girls that are rejected. So we made a point of checking the gender of every baby we found. Art and Jacob to America is presented by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the Central University. A study on Hawaii for the two hundred nine. A study on Hawaii. It's called Hemocide. Google it, folks. Hemocide. Google it, folks. The world's coming to an end. Everybody wanted everybody. All the details about the line that we had in our possession. Had in our possession. There's an old saying in Tennessee. I know it's not just from Tennessee. Tennessee. Alright everybody, welcome to episode 130 of the Art and Jacob Do America podcast. I am the Jacob Pixton, and to my left is, not Art, but my illustrious, voluptuous, <laughs> handsome, gu- gu- uh, I was about to say Gustan, Gaston looking cousin <laughs> right here with a chiseled chin looking like a Mexican John Hamm, um, Keith Silvis. Hello, I... I don't know about any of that. Those on Facebook Live right now are probably seeing that's not quite the case. But, you know, uh, I am Jacob's cousin, so that's my claim to fame. (laughs) You're also a published motherfucking author, man. Give yourself some credit. (laughs) Give yourself some credit and take off your shirt, damn it, for the ladies. Oh, it's coming off. It's coming off. (laughs) (laughs) All right, anybody. But today we have a special episode. But before we get into the episode, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors. First off the bat caveman coffee uh make sure you go to cavemancoffeeco.com to get some delicious fucking coffee and use promo code america for 15 percent off Ooh, yeah i know that's very generous right generous indeed yeah it should be covering your shipping your taxes and hey give you a little bit off the top there you know what i'm saying mm. give you a nice little buzz cut if you will on the, the feria <laughs> but anyways and then also to make sure you check out our other sponsor fight back cbd the best cbd in all of the land um use promo code america as well to save yourself 10 percent off and if you want buy both products mix them together put them in a shaker cup and bam you'll feel better and what i like to say is two drops under the tongue from fight back cbd fight back cbd two drops under the tongue will have you feeling tip top magoo baby Awkward silence. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) this episode, we have a very special guest on today. Uh, One of my um, favorite people in all of uh, podcasting land, uh, Mr. Mike Peacock. Now, Mr. Mike Peacock, I owe a lot to him. (laughs) 
<laughs> I owe a lot to Mr. Mike as because um, any longtime listener, Art and Jacob knows, like our earlier episodes were pretty much dog shit audio quality wise. Like it was just Art and I, myself just sweating on each other on my leather couch in the middle of the Bakersfield summer um, on a shitty like $5 USB mic. And um, I was a part of this Facebook group uh, that Mike and I were a part of. And Mike was the one, you know, DMing me, helping me get, you know, the audio quality up. So um, you have Mr. Mike Peacock to thank for the beautiful sounds of Art, Jacob, and now Keith Silvis on the Art and Jacob Do America Sultry, sultry voices. (laughs) I can't get enough of your love, baby. So, Mr. You know Mike- what's funny about those those old episodes, <laughs> though, is you guys were still getting ass loads of downloads, um, and people really didn't care at that at that first point. But I, I remember thinking, "Wow, these guys are really good. Let's just <laughs> get them to that next level." Hell yeah, dude! And what's weird about that is, is like at first, like when Art and I w- were starting the podcast, we we're like as long as you know our friends listen to it because um more or less like anytime we'd go to like parties or like little like after work like hangouts and whatnot because we started you know at working at target like we would always be kind of (laughs) like the monkeys that would be the entertainment you know and whatnot and it was just like you know what as long as our friends listen like that's cool enough and i remember when we got like our first downloads from like louisiana then i think like overseas like in egypt and whatnot we're like what the fuck is this this is (laughs) this is catching on but Mike, I, I I have you to thank though for helping this podcast get to the very next level, dude. Ah, uh, well, uh, anytime, brother. And I've been a fan of your show since day one. So, uh, so honored to be here, to say the least. Finally, for the millions and millions. millions. Oh, thank you, Keith. Thank you. You know your role <laughs> <laughs> of Art and Jacob listeners. <laughs> so, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, back in the day when you and I first became acquainted, I was running a show called On the Edge, and that was my, I guess my self-therapy, we'll call it, as I really just intended to talk to the void and not have anybody else hear what I had to say. I was just kind of blurting out random shit that popped into my mind for an hour at a time, and for some ungodly fucking reason, people started tuning in, and... uh it kind of became something more or less of a cult hit kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And even though, I, you know, I never really got tons of downloads, but I would get messages every day, tons and tons and tons and tons of messages of people that just liked what I was doing. But the show kind of grew a kind of a schizophrenic arm and it just split off into so many different factions. And I had a hard time kind of keeping up with what I wanted to do with it. And I was doing a lot of interviews with bands and musicians because that's the background that I came from. And I was also doing this half rant session. And then I was also doing this thing where I tell crazy stories, kind of like what what uh, you and Art started out doing and what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. So one day I just kind of took a hiatus and I said I had to reevaluate and think about what I was going to be doing. And the idea for Misery Point Radio kind of came into existence. And uh, MPR, uh, Mike Peacock Radio, was kind of the joke that was floating around. People would say, you have a voice that sounds kind of like NPR. And so we were joking about, oh, it's NPR, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, there's a place close by called Misery Point. It's an actual place. And uh, it just kind of was like, oh, well, I could just do this kind of play on names. And the initial concept was like, I'm a huge fan of RPG games like Fallout, for instance. Mm-hmm. And I loved playing, say, Fallout 3 and listening to all the cool radio stations. And so I've always kind of had this concept of, you know, internet radio is in and of itself a wasteland. And so I kind of uh, deemed myself the overlord of internet radio wasteland and created Misery Point <laughs> Radio 
to kind of focus on the artists and the entertainers and to share the awesomeness. And I do have plans to kind of relaunch On the Edge next year in kind of a limited format. So the show is not dead, but I've just been so busy with Misery Point taking off and doing way better than I thought it was going to that um, I just could only focus on on the one show. So, so, so t- now I talk to super badass people all the time. I get to go to shows and meet people that were my heroes growing up and musicians, and it's just it's fucking epic, and it's just been a blast. So you were telling us before we started recording that, you know, you, you met a couple of, you know, because you're based in Seattle. You've met mm-hmm. and uh, grew up basically with a lot of famous names that, you know, our listeners might, uh, might recognize. So you want to get into that a little bit? Yeah, well, of course, um, you know, Seattle, kind of one of the things that we're known for, love it or hate it, was kind of <laughs> pioneering the whole grunge movement from the 90s. So, you know, bands like Soundgarden and Nirvana and Mudhoney and Pearl Jam and Willard and Grunt Truck and even Sir Mix-a-Lot, um, <laughs> you know, they're all they're all from this area. And and so so many more, you know, Queensryche and uh, one, of, one of my personal favorite bands that I've seen live a, a million times. Mm-hmm. Um, Nevermore, Sanctuary, uh, R.I.P. Warl Dane. That was a huge bummer yeah. um, when he died. So, you know, yeah, this this area is just ripe with amazing talent. Coven, if you remember Coven from back in the day, McDonald yeah. Land Massacre, Iron Dick, six six sixty nine. Yeah, just so many awesome songs from those guys. And when mm-hmm. I was playing in bands, we got to play with Coven one time when I was a kid. That was epic. Uh, a guy that I've become acquainted with, who's a friend of a friend, now plays bass in Coven. And uh, wow, there's talks to have them come on the show. And and they're from here. They live. Uh, they live. You know, sixty miles away from where I'm at. So uh, and they bad. just played a show with Death Angel which is just unbelievably epic because Death Angel is one of my favorite thrash bands from mm-hmm. the early 90s. Um, absolutely awesome. So, yeah, man, this area is just just killer. And, um, yeah, lots of, lots of cool people to talk to and interact with. And I've run into so many people over the years, you know, run into people on the ferry and just like, oh, hey, you're so-and-so, you're so-and-so, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. You were telling us about um, a certain rapper that was from the area. Why don't you tell us about that? <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Uh, his name rhymes with uh, Per Hicksalot. <laughs> and yeah, he uh, <laughs> allegedly, um, as if I remember correctly, yeah, no, he was uh, he was kind of hanging out with the with the, uh, my friend's sister. And I, I there was this truck that was parked outside of the, the store that they owned. And it was playing really loud there was nobody in it but the music was playing really loud it was full of speakers and it was just thumping it was just like the whole neighborhood could hear it and i remember thinking who the fuck parked their truck out there what a dick you know and so then i go inside and i i go to see my friend and then i was like oh it's i mean we all knew who he was you know mm-hmm. and it was like oh sir mix a lot was literally standing in his you know the store and i was like oh okay this is weird and um, somehow that day we ended up him uh, piling us into this little tiny truck and he took us out to this uh, party and then uh, we he left (laughs) 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 and we had to find our own way back Um, and this was back in oh my gosh I I must have been in junior high school at that time oh wow oh yeah dude this was super long ago so you weren't even Um, in junior college yet god no man I was a kid (laughs) yeah that's crazy. I must have been, yeah, it must have been like eighth grade, ninth grade. I was probably 14 or 15, maybe 16. I don't remember if I was driving wow. or not, but I don't think I was driving at that time. So how uh, old was sister, your, yeah, how old was the sister then? <laughs> she was, she was older than us. She was um, old enough. 
Yeah, she, she, she was old enough to join the posse on Broadway, and uh, yeah, <laughs> the posse was, on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that yeah, Broadway in Seattle, as a matter of fact, where that video was shot. Um, so yeah, so that's just one of the many crazy stories of people that I encountered over the years, and I'm sure on his end there will be some pliable plausible deniability if that ever pops up into the public light <laughs> oh it's fuck you're talking about random dude tmz posted um, like on orange jacob do america's podcast sir mix a lot is accused of, full of uh, giving teenagers alcohol <laughs> yeah no it was nothing like that i mean there was i mean on his end of it it was really just a matter of he was there we got in his truck we mm-hmm. ended up somewhere else and then he disappeared and that was the end of that um so yeah so there was no no wrongdoing on his part. Um, you hear that TMZ as... layoff, Sir Mixlot? Okay, he's a national treasure. <laughs> he's a global icon and a national treasure. Uh, a I actually am quite the fan of Sir Mixlot over the years. He's he's a he's a funny dude. He's super outspoken. He even shows up like on local news here sometimes. He goes in and does little segments on I don't know like Como News or King Five News or Cairo mm-hmm. News or one of those. I don't know which one it is, but. Yeah, he just like shows up as a guest host sometimes and just kind of chills out and just is part of a talk show thing. It's pretty funny. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah. Before we jump into anything else, um, one thing that popped into my mind as well, I wanted to ask you, you're from Seattle. And one of the topics we covered, uh, I want to say like 20 episodes ago, maybe 10, 15 or whatever, whatnot, but don't quote me on that, is um, Phoenix Jones and the real life superhero movement. Like, do you have any uh, stories about that or any insight about that? I don't. Um, I, to be honest with you, I really wasn't even familiar with it until somebody else asked me about it. Um, at this stage of my life, I, I really kind of try to avoid the news. <laughs> and I try to avoid, you know, like regular television. And I kind of like to hide under rocks and bury my head in the sand um, because just things are just absolutely nuts right now. And plus, I'm just super busy, a new job and stuff like that. So I uh, yeah, I, I didn't I, I didn't really know about it. So sadly, I, I don't have any insight into that. That would have been really cool had I prepared for that in advance, but I didn't because I suck. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, so Mike hit me up earlier this week um, because you know I'm trying to you know get some podcasts out and whatnot you know for the holiday season. So you know Art and I can take a break. Art a little bit earlier than myself. Um, yeah, thanks for not being here, Art. <laughs> so um, you brought a good Keep topic it better anyway. Oh, wow. Ouch. Shots fired. And I feel like I was the bullet that was used. (laughs) You were the human shield. I'm just kidding, Art. I heart you. There you go. I heart Art. Uh, But anyways, you brought up a good topic uh, for this week. Um, Do you want to get into that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you guys are ready, we'll we'll dig right in. So you know, can I just? I had a question, and like, it might not be appropriate. Well, it's it's not like it's inappropriate, but I just need to know. It's probably dumb sounding, but okay. I just want to know like a little bit about the human psychology or what you guys think. I've been thinking about this as I heard the story about Sir Mix a lot. And maybe <laughs> we can ask like the the millions and millions of Art and Jacob listeners and maybe they could give me some insight too cuz I just don't know. What is it in a person that decides that they need to like blast their music through like city streets or like a full block? Like what do you think that is? Because I've never you know, cared about that, but I just don't know. Maybe they really like music. Like, what do you? What's your insight on that? My insight into this, and this will probably get me shot or hung or somehow stalked in some crazy level. But I'm a musician for fuck's sake, and I can't stand it when people play their music so goddamn loud 
that it's breaking windows. You know what it is? It's a, hey, look at me now. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. Hey, I want you to know what I'm doing. There's no other reason for you to play your shit that fucking loud. Unless you're at a party or a club or a place where that's kind of called for, then hell yeah, knock the fucking windows out. Mm -hmm. But if you're driving down the street or you're parked at the grocery store or at the drive-thru at the fast food joint or whatever, and your shit is so loud that people can't hear their own conversations in their own cars, that's you with a point to prove. That's you mm. basically saying, look how big my dick is. Correct. Um, oh, that, that's okay. how I see it. I, another thing, too, is uh, um, another insight of this. Um, Keith, I, and Art, we all grew up on the east side of Bakersfield. Um, another thing with that, too, is is for me personally here, I don't know what it is, you know, up in Seattle or, you know, Wichita, Kansas, or, you know, the Bronx or whatever, like when people do that. But I know here on the east side of Bakersfield, which is like, the hood part of Bakersfield. Um, that's mm-hmm. also a signal that, hey, the drug dealer's here. It's kind of like the ice cream man's calling. Oh, um, okay. Uh, you know, you like hear the little jingle with the, you know, the ice cream truck. More or less, <laughs> like when you hear like, you know, the, the bass thumping and whatnot, like you know how far away the drug dealer is. So it's more okay. or less like a signal that, oh, okay, I'm in the neighborhood. Boom. If you want it, here it is. Or, hey, it's so a fair warning. The crack dealer, the crack dealer is in the McDonald's drive-through ordering Big Macs. So go there right now to buy your drugs. Quick uh, story about that before we get into the actual topic. <laughs> I used to work at a McDonald's. I used to work at a McDonald's, um, and again in the East Side or whatnot. And yeah, that used to happen a lot in our parking lot. You know, yeah. you'd hear that. Dang. And then not only that, there was a manager that used to work there. He unfortunately got arrested while we were in a busy, busy, busy rush, and I really didn't appreciate it. The cops could have waited till after the rush was over yeah. to arrest him. But anyways, I digress on that. But yeah, he was actually selling drugs through the drive-through. So. Um, oh, dang. Actually yeah. very common. Yeah. Okay, so like, I just want to say that Jacob and I grew up like, what, a mile? You know, our houses are about a mile away, but Jacob got all the education. Like, he went to freaking <laughs> Noble Elementary, Washington Junior High, and I'm sitting here, you know, going to... I wasn't at like super, like in, you know, out in Rosedale type schools, but I went to Colonel Nichols and uh, Chipman, and I like never saw any of this. I never understood things like that a drug dealer would be thumping his base and like mm-hmm. ice cream man status, you know, the ghetto yeah. ice cream man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay, cool. Well, now I know. Yep, there you yeah, go. And I mean, as far as that goes, there would be other reasons why people would do it. I mean, in Seattle especially, that 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 is very prevalent and especially when that people would use that as a communication uh, factor to identify certain certain people would play certain songs and that would signal something so yeah i, I kind of get that but yeah it doesn't make it any less obnoxious for those of us who are not involved <laughs> correct in, <laughs> in said activity yeah and uh again as somebody who's a musician and who loves loud music I, there's just there's a place there's a time you know don't be a prick and fuck everybody else's stuff up just because you got something on your mind yeah and i think that just goes for anything in general like why is your shit more important than somebody else's shit? Like, why is it I got to stop what I'm doing to pay attention to what the fuck you're doing when I don't give two shits about you, random stranger people? Yeah. You know? And, and then, too, then it's it's a copycat thing, like the whole pimp culture now. Like, it's been so <laughs> yeah. diluted because it's just, like, it's cool to be, like, the neighborhood pimp. Like, when that was, like, a heel, like, in the neighborhood or even the dr- the, the neighborhood drug dealer or whatever, like, that was such a heel or a bad guy. Like, Nino Brown um, in New Jack City, whatever. Everybody now idolizes him and Tony Montana. So it's more or less, like, a copycat thing. Like, the, the meaning has probably been diluted over the years. Like, I'm quoting something that was, like, big, like, in the early 90s. Now it's just, like, you just see, like, kids, like, on the street just doing it because that's what they saw, like, their uncles and 
and stuff doing. So it was more or less. Yeah, a when you see the thing. when you see the nine year old kid in uh, elementary school wearing a big fur coat, boots, and a hat, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. something ain't right in that household. I'm just saying. Just a little bit. You know, not to mention that I am right now, as we speak, talking to the two biggest pimps in Bakersfield. <laughs> That's, that's you guys just saying. <laughs> hey, I ain't gonna deny it, man. I mean, my mm-hmm. wife might not like hearing about my side hustle of pimping it, but, you know, I it guess it's easy. out now. It ain't easy, brother. It isn't easy. It ain't easy, man. <laughs> I got the baby powder right there, man. If you need it, take take part. Awesome. But anyway, speaking of babies, Mike, do you want to introduce <laughs> what the actual topic is? <laughs> oh, man, that segue. That was the best segue in the history of segways, and I'm not talking about mall cop vehicles. I'm talking about <laughs> transitions. That even beats that from Paul, topic Paul Blart to scene. topic. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, um, so babies. Yes, uh, <laughs> man. This is this is such a such a fucked up topic that it's been rolling around in my head now for about a year. Mm-hmm. And it, the the very last episode that I did for On the Edge, which I want to say was back in February or March, something like that. I, I did a I did a show about human flesh pills, legitimately <laughs> pills that were made out of human flesh. I remember that, that were confiscated in the hundreds of thousands in the U.S., uh, predominantly in uh, the coastal areas, California, New York. Um, some came to Seattle, but then they also found their way to Africa, um, specifically Nigeria. Ooh. And what was going on was these pills were being sold... Um, from the Chinese market as, you know, kind of like the equivalent of snake oil, right? They, they, yeah. were, a, they were kind of a cure-all. They were intended to be um, like invigorating pills, life-extending pills, you know, for energy and for vitality. And, yeah. and you know. It's like gas station the, the, dick pills, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gas station dick pills. Well, yeah, so there was, the, there was that element to it. But then there was also the, you know, hey, if you... If, if this very very old school third word mentality of you know by by consuming living organs of of people you you now take on that person's vitality and that Ugh. in in essence you know uh, extends your life and that that's a very common belief in some some places in Africa where you know they were um, they would sacrifice people and then they would eat their hearts and you know all kinds of sh- or when somebody died they would consume them mm-hmm. and hopefully that their life essence would go on to you know uh extend your life which sadly for most of those people was quite the opposite because these guys were sick as fuck and they were yeah. just eating tainted meat uh. Uh, but again yeah so so anyways these pills they they made their way across the world and they, they made their way into nigeria where they were confiscated by the ass loads and then they started tracking this stuff and they tracked it back to to various provinces in China, and it started to to become um, China tried to to hide it, tried to say no, 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 this is all bullshit. But then international customs got involved a- across the world, and then they had to acknowledge, yeah, this is actually fucking happening. And so then the authorities started trying to track down the production houses and where the stuff was being made, and and the most important part was how are these pills being manufactured what is the source because they're testing these pills and there's very high concentrations of what turned out to be human flesh and we're not Uh. talking human flesh used as filler we're talking like burnt to a crisp ashes compounded air pressurized capsulated and basically being pure flesh in pill form 
Jesus so, Christ. Yeah, dude, just completely fucked up stuff. And um, and of course, when they did the testing on this stuff, they were like, these these things were full of, I want to say there was a couple of thousand identified diseased cells in these pills oh, of fuck. all kinds of diseases. And, you know, when you're talking about parts of the world that are super poor and that don't have you know, the best, not, not only healthcare, but they just don't have the best infrastructure to, you know, for, for preventative maintenance for, for education and, and of course for, for medicine itself. And so that led me in, as I was doing that research to, okay, what was the source of these pills? And then as I'm reading more and more into it and digging in deeper, I came into, well, one reported source of the, the, the human, organs for these pills is re- is reported to come from the quote-unquote Chinese dying rooms where the Chinese government who runs the orphanages in China, keep in mind that initially that when the story we're going to talk about later on took place kind of in the, in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, these pills, this is as recent as 2016. Jesus. So, yeah, so, um, but... It, Long story short, there is the belief that when children die in certain parts of China, and this is in the underworld part of things, mm-hmm. and and these these are these are no name bodies. These are just fucking. They're not even statistics. These are just just things, you know. And so people were selling bodies on the black market to quote unquote herbalists. You know, is what these people were calling themselves herbalists and medicine men and shamans and, you know, witch doctors and fucking whatever. Um, but that was that was reported to be one of the one of the sources of the materials being used in the human flesh pills. And so based off of that information, I said, holy shit, I've got enough stuff here that I really need to make another another episode out of that. And oh, I yeah. even put a yeah, I even put out like social media blasts. Okay, guys, I'm doing this, and then I just never did it. And then <laughs> you <laughs> and ran then into Sir day, Mix a lot. <laughs> yeah, he just totally uh, he blew my mind. <laughs> and um, I don't know what it is, but so- something, Jacob, you you posted something, and it just jogged my memory. And uh, I was like, you know what? This is this is a good topic, I think, for you guys because you you talk about really cool stuff and urban legends and you know what's real what's not real so this mm-hmm. is one of those things that there's definitely some controversy about the chinese dying rooms on whether or not they officially existed mm-hmm. or was this just a name given to something that was you know blown up to x proportion or was this something that was created as propaganda with a political agenda so there's a lot of different avenues to to kind of explore with this topic so that's why i was so interested in it well i thank you man because like um Like I always say, like art, he'll pick like 90% of the topics that we cover. And most more times than not, like I'll have no idea about what he's about to, you know, you know, give me. And so like I usually will start my research, you know, like on a Monday and then like just become fully invested in it. And it's like I always find myself like just emerging myself into that topic. And then when you hit me up about this topic, I was like, you know what, that sounds really interesting. And then everybody else you know, I was telling about, they're like, oh man, that shit, that is a deep topic. Are you sure you want to get into it? And I'm like, fuck, yeah. like what, what, it can't be any worse than like the dark web, which <laughs> kind of like ties into <laughs> this as well. Um, yeah. 
and when I was watching like, you know, the documentaries, you know, and the, and the many, 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 many videos on YouTube about it. And then like kind of like what's going on <laughs> even today, like in the media, like with, you know, what's going on with Hong Kong you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, you know, even all the way up through LeBron James's commentary on China, how he's kind of like he's a very like uh, socially aware, quote unquote, um, athlete. But he kind of like when it comes to the topic of China, like he doesn't want to, you know, mince any words with him because he has so much money going on over there. And it's like it's one of those things like it, it's prevalent today. You know, it's not just yeah. something that happened, like you mentioned, like in, you know, the early 90s, late 80s, you know, all the way up to the early 2000s and whatnot. Like, no, it's something that goes on today. And it's um, one of the documentaries I was watching where it was kind of like it's hard to get information on it because, it, you know, the Chinese government is good at, you know, finessing things and just showing you what they want you to see or, you know, giving you the, the statistics that they want you to see. But like you said, you know, watching some of these documentaries, some of these children aren't even seen as children. They're just things. They're objects. Yeah. And then like, well, I'm sure we'll get into the greater detail. Like some of these, you know, babies, you know, female babies at that, um, 99% of them, they are, you yep. know, given, you know, actually like their names are no name. You know, it's kind of like Charles yep. Manson where it's just like, it's an unwanted thing, you know, and they, they didn't even bother to give them a name because they're so unwanted. They're just an object. It's like, if you will. it's like the band ghost. They're unnamed ghouls. Correct. Yeah. That's a good way. That's <laughs> a good comedic way to, to, to look at it. But yeah, it, it's a it's a re- this is a really fucked up topic, and it's one of those things. It's just like, what can you do about it, kind of thing, you know. And you know, I, I I hate to be the guy that that brings this up at a at a time where there's there's definitely <coughs> turmoil between the U.S. and China. But you know what? That shit's been going on for fucking decades and centuries. And, uh, you know, it just, yeah, absolutely. This is this is just one more thing to talk about. But in the greater scheme of things, I, I don't necessarily see this as as creating more tension, but. Uh, you know, China does some fucked up stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it goes without saying. And, and you know, and, and there's obviously there's plenty of awesome people out there in in China that that aren't involved in this, and you know, Correct. they're they're victims of a communist regime that will probably stand forever. Yeah. Um, but so I, I think if it's okay with you to to kind of get into the origins on on kind of how this whole thing came to be. So back in 1979, China introduced the one child policy mm-hmm. as as a solution to their absolutely out of control population and 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 when we talk about out of control population i mean we're talking like at this point china was had over a billion people and the country was 25% of the entire world's population was in china wow so yeah and um i mean i'm sure over the years those numbers have kind of you know come and gone, come and gone, come and gone. But the reality is that they were facing a government crisis, a potential starvation of, of millions, not even mil- hundreds of millions of people. Yeah. And the population was growing so fast, the infrastructure just couldn't, couldn't handle. And you think about how vast China is. It's just, it's enormous is right. in, in the scope of geography. But the population is concentrated into a few very large population centers so it's not like these people were spreading out it was like they were just congested right just just fucking like rats in a sewer just crawling on each other yeah and so the government said and they were getting pressure from you know the un and from all these other you know even from the west basically saying hey listen man you guys got to fix your shit 
However, as opposed to doing what a lot of other civilized nations were doing and educating people about birth control, which is a whole other topic in and of yeah. itself about whether or not people <laughs> fucking follow that, they took the extreme example and basically said, you can have one child, and if you have more than one child, we will penalize you for it. And mm -hmm. when we talk about penalties, we're not talking about a slap on the wrist. We are talking harsh fucking shit. Yeah. In order to have more than one kid in China at this time, you had to get a permit, okay? So, and, and if, let's say that you had twins. Oh, fuck, you know, you're, you're, you're in violation of the one-child policy. So right. what was going on was that people were afraid of the penalties. Well, what are the penalties? Forced abortions, mm -hmm. forced sterilizations. Um, uh, they could, uh, for instance, if you were a woman and you were pregnant with, say, your second child, and that second child was known to, you know, be a, to it was going to be a girl, because women are they're just shit on in that culture straight up, right? Yeah, they're not that's, valued. That's the one so, thing too I saw. It was just like you know, men are preferred, and like one of yeah. the examples was is that, um, you know, one of the reporters she was like, yeah, I grew up in this society, you know, mm -hmm. she was giving her firsthand, um you know, account of this. And she was saying yeah. that like, yeah, like we went over to my husband's mother-in-law's house and, you know, the man, you know, got to sit down, he got to eat, you know, f you know, first, seconds and third plates and whatnot. And the whole family just had to sit and watch him. And the mother-in-law just kind of looked back at her and was like, Oh, are you hungry too? Like I have a little bit left over. And it's just yeah. like, yeah, mm -hmm. men are the preferred children because they carry on the family's legacy. And women are maybe just like a hair, a, you know, a cunt hair above like a fucking dog, like over there, which yeah. is not me making a joke. Like that's an actual truth. No, that's, that's actually true. And you also have to put into perspective that in China and in a lot of those really, really, really ancient Asian cultures, they're still going by dynasties. I mean, this isn't a matter of, you know, Oh, Hey, look, I want to carry my name on. This is like kingdoms and legacies and generations of names. This is, this is royal shit. Mm -hmm. in its origin story, you know? So that's why there's that, that huge, um, prevalence of, of the male superiority in those cultures is because you're continuing a dynasty, even though that's not really the case now, but that's how they looked at it. So I've got a question. You know, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm curious. And like, you know, I know I did a little bit of research on this, but I, you know, I had told you earlier, this is going to be, a lot of these questions are real authentic for me. Like I'm not acting here. It's like, um, what, what's the status right now of, um, the one child is, is that still a thing? I don't even know. No. So they, they recanted the one child policy in 2015. Okay. And so, but keep in mind here, it's, they still have population control policies. So now it's two children, which it was prior to the one child. It was two children. And in some cases, even the one child policy, there were exceptions where for instance, if you were an ethnic minority, so still a, a Chinese national, but among picture like a like a Native American in the U.S., they have their their versions of those over in other countries as well. So, mm -hmm. so the ethnic minorities who lived in the super rural areas were allowed to have more than one child. Um, this was predominantly in urbanized areas and industrial centers and major commerce areas, the big the big the big centers, right? Not the not yeah. the rural farmers. And then on top of that. There were exceptions that were made. So, for instance, let's say that you had one child and that child was handicapped. Then they would allow you to have another child. Um, and we'll get into what happened to that handicapped child here in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, and in some cases, if you had a girl 
and and you were allowed, I guess, a mulligan. <laughs> yeah. You were allowed, All right, let's take two. Hopefully, let's, let's roll the fucking dice and hope I get a boy on this one. But so the one child policy was a thing and it garnered a lot of heat internationally. But the reality is um, during that time frame from uh, about the 30 to 36 years that it, that, that it was around, still about half of all the parents in China were legally allowed to have that second child. It was the others that led to the bad shit happening. Of course, you know how bad news travels 50 million times faster than good news. Or, yeah. you know, the, the media will focus on the fucked up stuff in the world, but not, you know, not the puppies and rainbows and stuff like that. So, yeah. Or the squirrels uh, uh, water skiing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Cats fucking riding on your Roombas. Absolutely. Correct. So, um, so, so there was always exceptions to that, but the reality is, is that that policy led to fear and, and when people become afraid, especially in areas where they're uneducated and, and they've been super fucking isolated from the rest of the world, they didn't have TVs and fucking cell phones and tablets and Facebook and social media and all that stuff. No, all they knew was that this is the law from a communist regime, and if I fuck up, it could cost me my life, it could cost me my family, it could cost me my house. So what was happening then is that people were unloading their children at alarming rates and the orphanages were run by the state okay these weren't private orphanages that were having the problems those are still there too those are still a part of it but the issues that we're going to talk about specifically relate to the state-run orphanages and these things were underfunded understaffed and the influx of unwanted children came in so fast they just started fucking popping up like a pop-up store, like at Christmas time. Yeah. Somebody builds a fucking store in your neighborhood that wasn't there two weeks ago, and all of a sudden you're buying all your shit for Christmas there. That's kind of <laughs> that's kind of how it was for for orphanages during this time frame. So, um, so yes, the the kids that were unwanted were predominantly girls, and if they weren't girls, then they were already sick or they were already handicapped in some capacity. And the parents, and this was not just a poor thing. This was rich families. This was poor families. This was everybody was faced with the same dilemma, which is I can only have one kid. Well, hey, if I don't actually physically have this one kid here anymore, who's to say that I can't have another baby? Which leads to the other question of how were people having these babies without being found out? So people were going elsewhere having fucking kids on on the sly because not wanting to go to a hospital and have Mm -hmm. to explain to the government employees which the hospitals were also government run you know why are you having a fucking kid where's your permit where's this where's yeah. that you know so it just it just led to just a whole bunch of fucked up stuff and so another thing kids, real quick is oh yeah is that you know that that's the quote unquote good parents you know um you know yeah. sliding them to like an orphanage or um mm. you know uh they were calling it something else too um i forgot to write it down but like like a like basically a dump center or whatever right and yeah. um, that those were the quote unquote good parents, but there was a lot a lot of parents as well that would just abandon them in mass um, in the yeah. streets or in the countryside and whatnot as well. Absolutely, yeah. It was very common uh, for them to basically throw them in rivers, throw them in lakes, uh, dispose of them in you know bodies of water, and let them float away and have the animals have their way at them, or leave them in the woods, put them in dumpsters. Absolutely. Literally just throw them away like pieces of trash. And in fact, in the documentary, um, I, one Chinese guy made the comparison about it. it's like if you go out and you buy a new dress 
you're like, oh, I've got this new dress. And then you don't want that dress anymore. You just take that dress off and throw it away. And that's how the culture was treating babies at that time that were unwanted <sighs> because, well, you know, you could always just have another baby. And uh, especially if the government didn't know you had that first baby or if the government didn't, let's say that you had a girl. Oops, the baby died. I can have another one now, mm-hmm. you know. Got so, um, you know, there were rumors that uh, hospital employees were being paid to have uh, these newborn babies disposed of, either by um, uh, quote-unquote live abortions, so they would have the baby and then just fucking kill the baby. Yeah. Or uh, as the baby was being born, they would inject some, you know, uh, chemicals into the into the female's body and, and have the have the birth not finish. So oh, it, uh, all, all for pay. And then and some of that was also rumored to be the source of the pill uh, material. So, Jesus. yeah, yeah, just wow. absolutely crazy. Yeah. One of the most saddest things, too, when I was watching the documentary, which you can find on YouTube, it's a little 38 uh, minute documentary. Just type in uh, Chinese dying rooms is they would talk about, yeah, either on purpose, like Mike was saying, where they would um, inject uh, lethal inject injection uh, medicines right into the soft spot of the baby's head as it was being born, or mm-hmm. like if this was the second baby, um, and then you know the person the lady was pregnant with, um, you know the government would basically have them abortion right on the spot, like no matter if it was the first, second, or third trimester, whether you're going to have the baby, you know, tomorrow or you know six months from now, there would be an abortion right there on the spot. The mom would be sterilized immediately, and you know the baby would either be you know just cast away or or just disappeared like there was like no explanation like the the, one of the ladies was like well what happens to these children like what happens to their bodies and they they just say nope they're gone they're just gone they're gone that's it they're gone they're fucking disposed of there were no there were no mass graves right there were no big um burn piles no bonfires no darth vader fucking piles you know Mm -hmm. there was no honorary burying of these kids there was in a lot of cases they're just gone where did they go and and that that's really a, a whole other area of of research that I, I looked into, but there's so little information out there about it, and that's some dark web shit right there. Yeah, exactly. But again, that that's where that's where I start to legitimize the fact that these bodies are being sold for for sick fucking purposes, not just pills, but for for medicines or for for other scientific research or I don't know some fucking bride of reanimator shit. Who knows? Yeah, but. You know, um, these these bodies just they just went they just went away. And when it, you saw in the documentary, when people would ask about them, they, the response would be, "I don't know, they're just gone." Like yeah. that that child was there one day, and the next day it's gone. Well, where did? There's only four fucking employees here. You know, <laughs> these places are severely understaffed. Yeah. What happened to these bodies? There was a hundred bodies here, and now there's ten. You know. And one thing too so, about the employees, real quick, is that um, the documentary touched on. It's not like they're actual like. You know, here, like you know, in the states or in California, I don't. They're know. not certified trained employees. Correct. Like they were assigned this position, so you're not getting yeah. somebody that, you know, wants to necessarily, you know, deal with you know orphans or children or be like or deal with social work. It was just somebody that just like, hey, you know, I went to my equivalent of college, and you know, my state or my government said, hey, guess what? You're going to be a trash trash person you're going to be somebody that deals with the orphans you're going to be the person that you know changes their diapers or administers the medicine or whatnot so you get these people that are probably not wanting to be there and you see them um handling the children mind you on camera they know they're on camera so they're probably under their best behavior and you see them tie the children to these little like um 
you know, potty chairs or whatnot, you see them, you know, trying to change their diaper and they're just treating them like, you know, poultry getting ready to get slaughtered or, or whatnot. So it's like very rough. And like, there's like no emotion there. You know, the baby's crying, the baby's got, you know, gunk coming out of its eyes. The baby needs, you know, like a hug basically. And it's just like, they're being treated just like, you know, raw meat, if you will, you know, just like an object. Keith, Keith got disturbed by that last part, and he had to step away and blow his nose and wipe his <laughs> eyes down. I mean, he's obviously, it's, it's very, very disturbing. Con- Are you okay, man? Do you, do you need a safe space? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right this time, just just for now. <laughs> just for now. You need a right, hug, we'll, we'll pause. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll pause this, and you and you and Jacob can disappear into your, your uh, private room. So, yeah, well, let's, let's touch on that then. I mean, we were talking about the conditions, so... There, there's there's two separate things going on. There's the orphanages themselves, which is where what I refer to as the baby warehouses. Yeah. And then they're off of the designated rooms within those orphanages that became known as the dying rooms were where we'll call it the the unhopefuls were just put there until they died. And and whether or not they were sick, they, you know, they didn't want to be treated or, you know, whatever certain the, the decision was made to put certain children in certain rooms full well knowing that they would never come out of those rooms. Mm-hmm. Now, the conditions in the orphanages themselves, again, we're talking about government state-run orphanages, not, not private ones. Um, so, like you were saying, the in the documentary with the cameras on, and I, I just have a hard time believing that this is a fake documentary. There's been criticism that this is fake, and I just don't think it's fake. No, I um, don't either. But, um, so... You're talking about, you were talking about tied up to chairs. Yes, children were tied. Picture like, picture a bench, and that bench was a big, we'll call it a potty bench, right, with holes on there like a potty training seat. Picture like a half a dozen of those strung together, and so the kids are strapped into their their arms and feet are tied to these benches. They cannot move, and they live their entire existence in those benches, shitting themselves. Um, you know, being sick, barely being fed. Um, you, you probably, if you watch the whole documentary, Jacob, you, you saw the thing that they were known to do was rock. they would just rock themselves. They would just sway back and forth. And, and I, I think in my, in my heart of hearts, I think these kids found a place to put themselves into a trance-like state to fucking escape mm-hmm. their shitty realities. But these kids were tied up to these chairs 20 plus hours a day. And the only time that they were let out um, was for, for very, if they had to get like some kind of a checkup or something. So they would do checkups on them and then fucking tie them back up. And in a lot of cases, the medicine was there, right? That's the thing that fucking kills me is these places, a lot of them as shithole as they were, they had access to medicine. They had drugs, they had medical staff. They just didn't do anything with them. So these kids would get sick, obviously, or they came in sick and then they would put them in these rooms and what they refer to as the dark rooms. And then they would just forget about them. And then here's the fucked up. Oh, and it's all fucked up. Here's the more fucked up part. It wasn't the staff that would go in to verify that the bodies, yeah. that, that the kids had died. They were sending in the other fucking kids saying, hey, go check on this kid and tell me what's up. Yeah. So the kids, in a lot of cases, these kids, we're talking like under five years old. We're talking barely talking age right Mm -hmm. they're going in there and coming back and reporting yeah that kid's dead how just fucking heartbreaking yeah Mm. and on top of that those kids knew if they got sick 
they were going to end up in that room. Yeah. Wow. So it's like yeah. a 360 degrees fuck no matter what, you know? Like You are just completely fucked. Yeah. Um and, a, and it's it's just and you you kind of talked about it also. Uh, I, I kind of backtracking here a second when you were talking about how the babies were named, but they were named like no name, like Myling is kind of the 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 name that is the most famous. But there was another spot in that documentary where where uh, they used the words uh, Lidi or Jowdy, which literally meant next one is boy or boy coming or boys come. That was the name of the girls. People were naming their girls. The boys are coming <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, as a way to try to convince the gods, I guess, that they were due for a boy. So, but yeah, all of the, um, 99% of the, the kids that ended up in these orphanages were girls. And, um, the only boys that ended up there were either severely handicapped or had some kind of a major sickness. Um, but you know, it kind of reminds me of those, you know, where it starts to get into propaganda territory, which you know, if you ever watch those old Sally Struthers feed the fucking children commercials <laughs> yeah. with the starving Ethiopian kids, and you know it's fucked up, and it's like, well, you're over there, fucking fix it. You know, give mm-hmm. that kid a fucking something, Sandwich, get him yeah. out of there, you know, whatever. So, you know, it, it's or like those, you know, uh, Sarah McLaughlin, you know, save the fucking dogs yeah. commercials that, that make me cry every time I see him. Angels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, fucking dog, you fucker, <laughs> I'm gonna go and kill you. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's that's the emotion that is intended to be drawn. I mean, these, this documentary, there is no doubt in my mind that this is real. But at the same time, the stance that it's taking and the way that it's portraying it is specifically designed to make you go, what the fuck, China? I mean, that's that's its only purpose is to draw awareness to how fucked up this is. So mm-hmm. um, and I think they did a good job of illustrating. Yeah. And, that you know, the, the filmmakers, when they went there. They they had to they had to go on there under a guise. I mean, they did some fucking James Bond sneak into the country shit with yeah. fucking fake, you know, fake credentials. And they even had a camera that was in multiple parts that each filmmaker carried a part, and it would only work when all three components were put together. It's like a fucking Tomb Raider puzzle, um, <laughs> a Captain <wow>. Planet. <laughs> <You> know, they, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. Ring, ring. Do your thing. Um, the fucking yeah, so, and then they were allowed based off the fact that they, they said that they were, um, God, I can't remember the name of the group now, but it's like a, a human human rights uh, organization that they were there mm-hmm. uh, as potential, uh, they were going to open up another orphanage and they wanted to see how everything worked. And for some reason, <laughs> they fucking bought that and, wow. uh, and allowed them to start touring these orphanages full well knowing the conditions are fucked up. Yeah. And but they they didn't these employees did not see a problem with it. As you were saying, they just this is, hey, this is my job. You know, this, mm-hmm. is, this is just a thing. This is not a baby. This isn't a child. This isn't a this isn't a, you know, a life. This is just this is my job. This is a product that I have to deal with. It's like like you said, it's like I, uh, this is a picture the Tyson chicken farm tents that you've Correct. seen. Like, yeah. hey, here's how fucked up all the chickens are. Right. They're crawling all over each other. They're shitting everywhere. It's a yep. mess. That's what these orphanages looked like, wall-to-wall children and babies mm-hmm. that are fucking bound and not allowed to move um, and who are not cared for, who are fed minimally, who are not medically treated, and for whatever reason, they're just unwanted, just, just unwanted fucking trash 
because of a ridiculous fucking law put in place by a ridiculous fucking government. There was other ways to fucking aid that population control. There's no doubt that they needed to do something. Okay, I don't, I don't, you know, yeah. that it's mathematically speaking, they were about to wipe out their whole civilization. This was a solution they came up with. It was the wrong one. Correct. But, um, you know, th- there was other ways to handle it, and so the. It'd be one thing, you know, the government puts out, hey, it's like you get a speeding ticket. Yeah, it's a fucking illegal to speed. You're going to do it anyway. You're going to yeah. pay your fine. <laughs> You're going to get on with your life, right? Yeah. That is not how these people feel about the government in that country. They don't feel... It's life or death. I, 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 can, I can break this law and survive. This is pure fucking fear-mongering at its worst. And, and that, that, that's what led to insane amounts of deaths. They're basically saying one in five children in each of these orphanages died. Wow. You know, one in five for for an entire year, they're saying that one in five uh, was dead. Some institutions, some individual facilities, had over a hundred deaths a year. Because wow. keep in mind, these aren't these aren't orphanages that are like you know, um, Hogwarts. <laughs> you know, with, <laughs> yeah. with just a dormitory full of of you know, thriving students. Right? No, these no. are these are fucking orphanages that, you know, there might be a capacity for 50 to a hundred. That's a large one. You know, mm-hmm. they're taking institutions that are not meant to, you know, these are like houses that are having a hundred kids in them or 50 kids in them. They're very small, um, facilities. So, or yeah. even if they're large facilities, the designated areas for the children to be warehoused were relatively small spaces. It almost reminds me like it's like the size of like, you know, like a fast food restaurant like we're talking about mm-hmm. here. Like it's not anything, you know, like an institution. It's it's very much like, you know, like like just one little tiny building, you know, your KFC, if you will, not to turn anybody yeah. off from eating at KFC. But yeah, um, another thing, too, I wanted to bring up, too, is like we're talking about like the culture there. And, you know, I don't want to sound racist here but like it kind of reminds me of um a topic we did a while back called you know the suicide forest the aoki gahara and the myth is that it's haunted because you know this not only you know you get current you know people going into the you know forest and you know hanging themselves and and whatnot but like it was a famous forest as well because you know centuries and centuries back you know hey like when famine would hit that area you know they would go into the forest that you know the families would bring like their elderly into the forest because they couldn't afford to take care of them anymore they're becoming burdensome or they would take you know disabled children that they couldn't care for because uh, we're di- we're talking about like even this like at this time like the country you know is very poor at this time like people don't have medical insurance they don't have you know savings per se they're barely getting by day to day you know right and you know to take care of you know i mean that's what i deal with with my job is like a program that deals with you know helping disabled folks and whatnot and then they don't have that system in place so the only solution quote unquote for them you know in their culture is like hey you know death is viewed differently you know in asian cultures where it's just like Mm -hmm. it's an honorable thing to die so that you know your family can live on so like for them and their minds they're not being cruel like they're letting them die with honor you know you know if they can survive quote unquote you know yeah, that you know shows that they're a strong person, but if they die, they died so that their family could live on. And like, yeah, well, these these infants are not committing Harry Carry, you know, <laughs> yeah. and fucking throwing themselves on swords or drowning themselves in the fucking river. These these kids are being fucking tossed out. Oh yeah, um, in, in the in the trash. But yeah, you're right. It, it's the the notion of an honorable death is a is a kind of a a cross cultural phenomenon in in a lot of different countries, mm-hmm. and. uh 
um, yeah, it, it's sadly this this doesn't fall into that. <laughs> so it's just like I mean, for our eyes, like I can't imagine. You know, my girlfriend's pregnant, and I can't imagine like, oh, okay, shit, like God forbid something's wrong with him, and it's just like, okay, I'm just gonna you know take him to an orphanage because I don't want to deal with it. I mean, we're looking at through our eyes, where it's just like we have right. you know a government, you know, whether you like like it or not, like we have you know things in place that can help with yep. that. We have you know education out there. We have you know, an open society to where we can help with that, where it's just like you have a society over there culturally and, you know, systematically that doesn't have those tools. Yeah. I think too, if I can throw something in here and I mean, you guys can feel free to contradict me, but I think that we will, um, you know, whereas (laughs) the, the United States is not necessarily a Christian nation or whatever. I think that, um, when a culture is founded on kind of more Christian principles, there is inherent value in life. And you can't really expect that from cultures that are not, there is no inherent value to life because death is just a part of life on this world. And so I think, um, a lot of the times, like, you know, the Vikings and stuff, they kind of like glorified death too. Um, but, you know, and in Indian cultures, a lot of the caste system, like it's kind of a similar thing, like, oh, you were born underprivileged or you got problems. This is karma. You know, you get to die. Whereas right. then Christian missionaries go over there and they look at the inherent value, like this person's created in the image of God. They have value, whether or not they're able to be a freaking, you know, Yao Ming or whatever, <laughs> you know, whether they're super gifted <laughs> or not, like, um, you know, we still assign value to them. So, I mean, yeah, he's only alive because uh, he couldn't fit in those potty chairs. Yeah, so. <laughs> he would I mean, have broke dude, he's, free. He's a male and he's like seven <laughs> feet tall. Like, can you imagine yeah. the the Yao Ming deserves his own episode on it on itself? Because I believe the rumor is is his <laughs> parents were chosen to mate to you know jumpstart that you know Chinese basketball system. You know, like we're oh, like, geez. yeah, it's kind of like you know, like uh, you know, back you know. In, Civil War times and whatnot, like when slavery was slavery, words are hard, uh, was prevalent. You know, they would breed, you know, African Americans coming over just to get stronger slaves, you know, to work out in the fields. Yeah, like selective breeding. Correct. Yeah, correct. Exactly. Yeah, that was oh. genetic engineering before there was technology. So, yeah. You know, Whew. yeah, it's uh, the, you know, you can take uh, Keith, the religious element as you will, and there's definitely different, you know, uh, subcultural ideologies, you know, Christianity, you know, Western religions versus Eastern religions and mm. Norse religions and, you know, what's an honorable death and, you know, th- things of that nature. But I don't think that in in most cultures you would look at uh, a death by victimization uh, as, as being an honorable death in any way. And in, in regards to, you know, religions that say, hey, there is value in this, yeah, there's there's going to be tons of outside perspectives that basically are calling out the wrongness of it. In fact, that's how this whole thing came to be. And the the organizations that are responsible for creating this, this the filmmakers that created this documentary, they were super conservative Christians and they were offended, you know, from a religious standpoint as well as from a humanitarian standpoint. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, even even in China, which at that time you know, Christianity is not necessarily, you know, super prevalent. The, the, their own people were like, religious or not, this is just fucked up and wrong. Yeah, you know? mm. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, in fact, the, the government of China, they went so far as to make their own follow-up documentary and because they, they claimed that, that the documentary was fake, that it was false, 
and that there was an agenda behind it that was intended to topple the regime that they were that the uh-huh. the United States was on this this one way kamikaze jet to derail the government of China through this documentary and so they they created their own documentary and it was called I want to say it was called uh the dying rooms uh you know something of lies you know they they <laughs> so they made their own documentary and basically said you guys are full of shit and um yeah it uh <laughs> its own people didn't buy into it and neither did any anyone else the only people that gave that any credence were the communist government officials who said yeah they patted each other on the back and said we foiled their plans you know um Um, by the way can you can i just say like i don't know if anybody's looked at like north korea's website but i looked at it a few years ago (laughs) that kind of reminds me of that like it reminds me this is a great place to be it reminds me of that movie (laughs) the interview with seth rogan and james franco it's funny you mentioned that that's exactly what i was thinking of as i was talking yeah (laughs) it was basically a movie Uh, where like james franco is like a very popular reporter or whatnot um i can't give you a contemporary um, example, but just think of, you know, like Olivia LaVoice, you know, 17 news dying piece who actually Mike, she is going to Seattle. So you get the privilege of having Olivia LaVoice is probably the greatest, uh, news journalist of all time slash one of the hottest, uh, news journalists of all time. So she's got brains and looks, uh, but I digress. But anyways, kind of like me. Yeah, exactly, dude. Like, <laughs> should meet up. But anyway, <laughs> uh, let, let's just say James Franco is Olivia LaVoice in, in this movie, and she and he um, gets contacted by Kim Jong Un uh, to basically do that. Like, oh, all these people are saying bad things about North Korea, and we're not so bad after all. And you know, Seth Rogen's kind of like his producer. Like, hey, dude, I don't know about this. Like, that sounds jinky as hell. And it's a comedy, and it actually, you know. I want to say the North Koreans uh, hacked into Sony Pictures' uh, database to try to like delete the the movie or whatnot. Oh, wow. uh, it, it was a big move. It was a big uh, hullabaloo during uh, the the holidays of 2014. I want to say, and um, what um, I guess the premise of the movie is is James Franco ends up taking the interview with Kim Jong Un, and everything is just you know sunshine and you know apple pie. Everything's all great. But then later on in the movie, they find out like, oh, shoot, like this was all a front. Like all these stores were, you know, you know, put up that day and whatnot. But like the reality is it's kind of like a like when you see like, you know, people walk by with a Hollywood set and it looks like, you know, you know, like the yellow brick road or whatnot. But behind that is like, uh, you know, a slum village or whatnot. Mm. Um, It's like all it was just all effects. And then, you know, I think you know, Kim Jong-un tries to kidnap, you know, James Franco or whatnot, and they got to find their way out of the country and hilarity ensues. But no, it's a very real thing where it's just like, it's just like this prop, you know, anti-propaganda, you know, that the, these governments would put up. And that's exactly right. what, um, when Mike yeah. was talking about like the, uh, the, the diss track back, I guess you could say right. for, uh, you know, this movie, like that's what I was thinking the whole time. It's just like, yeah, of course they're going to put, you know, up a response. Diss yeah. track. Yeah. Like, oh, here it is. It was called <laughs> dying room patchwork of lies. That was, oh, wow. the, that was what the Chinese government put out as a response. Oh God. <laughs> Jeez. I don't believe it. So I this don't... is their, uh, kill shot. Like yeah. the Eminem kill shot. Yeah. Except they weren't response track. Yeah, yeah. 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 The <laughs> clap back, if you will. Yeah. That's the word I was trying to find. <laughs> I don't want to compare this to like Eminem. I thought Eminem's disc was pretty good. Like no, yeah, Machine yeah. Gun Kelly, you know, he did all right. <laughs> Eminem. Maybe it's just because I'm a boomer, you know, and <laughs> I grew up thinking Eminem's awesome. I still do. Yeah. 
But no, yeah, we got to put some hilarity on it because this is a, a fucked up topic. Yeah, it's and pretty it's dark. Just, I it's one of those things like Mike, you were saying, it's just like China is the government of China. I mean, America is not you know too swell either, but. Like when you put it into perspective, like you you can go on episode after episode about you know the crimes against humanity with you know the government of China. I mean, thankfully I don't have any business prospects in there like LeBron James, so I can talk about this. Yeah, but it's just like yeah, it's just like what do you do about this? You know, that would be my biggest question. It's just like I, I know the United Nations have have tried to intervene, you know, and then also too like what does America do as a country? Like you got you know we're in debt with china do they you know debt you know china owns most of america's debt like so what do we do like what what do we throw so, back their way there is so there's the un and the us have been kind of in disagreements on kind of how to handle this and the one big piece of criticism that was levied against the states is that we did not just send them millions of dollars in aid to fix the situation like although, we were looked at although didn't we, we were looked at like, as, i thought well, i read we, about we some sent, of this we sent them some but it wasn't enough right mm-hmm. they basically called us out for not fixing the problem and for whatever reason I, I haven't looked so far into it as to the the how and why that that conversation came up but the u.s was looked at solely as you guys have enough money you could fix this problem right now you owe us money even going back you know decades we've yeah. been in debt with china you know, so would would fixing that problem have wiped out our debt with China? Probably not. No. And who's to say that the money that we gave to them would have actually gone to them? Because those orphanages were allocated government funds. Mm-hmm. What happened to the money? Nobody fucking knows. They kept that shit. They didn't put that back into the orphanage. They were yeah. given money. That stuff, uh, the not enough clearly but there was a severe misappropriation of funds at the government level for for what was happening with the money that was allocated to those places you saw how understaffed they all were you saw the level of staff they had. i mean there was fucking borderline retarded kids running those places yeah um you know there there were adolescents there were kids in their teens in the early 20s you know one person working there in charge of 50 people you know yeah and that's that's one person running the whole administration plus the feeding plus the bathing plus you know whatever else so what was happening with the money that they got to go towards that who knows right but that that so that was the big thing at that time between you know the the un and the u.s was kind of bickering over was you know why aren't why aren't the states doing more to fix the problem um and the, the u.s responded with well who else in the un is contributing to the solution correct and the the un basically said oh well nobody (laughs) (laughs) so so the u.s was like well there you go right so if you want us to be a part of it then you should fucking be a part of it too yeah so and again i after that level of i mean i I didn't dig into you know what happened after that the politics of um, it that went back and yeah you know it just it's international politics is bitch and you know Nobody, people, unions will never agree on on 100% perfect solutions for everything. So, but due to pressure from uh, the Western civilizations as well as from the UN, you know, China finally realized, yeah, this is fucked up. And in 2013, they announced that they were going to stop the one-child policy, um, but not to be confused with with eliminating all childbirth policies that's not the case they still have them in place um 
But in 2016, it officially ended. So now there is no more on-the-record one-child policy. That doesn't mean that there still aren't instances of this happening, because there still are. There's still you know, people mm-hmm. looking into this, and there's still, in every year in China, millions of cases of disappearing children for any number of reasons. Um, and there's still a lot of guesswork as to a lot of it is abandonment. And at one point they were saying a million kids a year, just straight up abandoned. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's, uh, it's getting better, but uh, you know, there's, there's the, the pressure from international elements to, to kind of bring it to the world's attention that says, okay, this is fucked up. You guys need to knock this off. But at the other hand of it, it's really very, uh, the reason they're stopping it more than anything is it's very, self-serving in the fact that now they have a huge imbalance of male versus female population. Correct. They have an, they have an aging population that now needs to be cared for. And, um, they don't have enough people of available age to care for them. They don't have that infrastructure. Their, their 30 years of massive population control has now led to a huge gap of Mm -hmm. old people versus young people. And, and, huge imbalance wow. in yeah. male versus female populations and now they are in some instances giving grants for people to have twins to, to give them fertilization uh elements to kind of help them have more kids because women they, they need more women and now they need more kids and oh so, i had some so, about that so now they're I, fucked yeah there's um i was watching something and it was about like women i believe it was in china who were streaming their lives and there's like just lonely dudes that just watch them. And it's not like sex workers or anything. It's straight just like, okay, this is me like eating lunch or this is me going to the gym. (laughs) And then you would see, it'd be interviewing dudes. And you know, he's just, the dude's like, yeah, you know, I'm very busy with work and I don't have time for a girlfriend and I just pay her so that maybe she'll give me some special attention and notice me. Um, you know, she's the closest thing I have to a girlfriend and it's like super sad. And I, I, I want to say this was on vice news or something, but it was Uh pretty insane. That's that's what a, the point I was gonna bring up too. Like you have like these fucked up conditions. Like in the moment, that's fucked up. But there's always gonna be an aftermath to that fucked upness. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna have a whole population with PTSD. Like say these children do survive. You know these dying yeah. ones, quote unquote. Like there's gonna be some kind of after effect of it. Like Art and I were talking about like you know the 1960s showing you know you know Vietnam you know on television. Then you saw like a spike in serial killers during that time frame. You know because war is being broadcast on prime time television and then you know (coughs) you would have um you know a mass mass shooting like every other weekend and you know that's you know what is this uh, what is that um an aftermath of you know and it can be a conglomerate of different things but it's just like what's good you know that's the aftermath of it you know like you have you know these these other issues that are going to pop up because of the situation that you created with these dying rooms these orphanages and whatnot yeah yeah the uh the the orphanages are still there. The conditions are better, but mm-hmm. in a lot of the super rural ones, they still haven't really changed. You know, they might be cleaner. They might have more people. They have but... Elmo there now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, UN ambassadors in, in Muppet suits. Yeah. Um, I think the moral know, of this story is that we need uh, yeah. to get we need to get the millions and millions <laughs> of uh, listeners here to just go and adopt a baby from China. There you go. <laughs> That's yeah. what we got to do. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, now you're on 
uh, Art and Jacob do China on the Moral <laughs> Crusade. <laughs> so, I know uh, we just, but it turns out that we got sponsored by like one of those commercials, you know, to to plug uh, humanitarian stuff. In the arms of the <laughs> angels. Yeah, there you go. Let's get one of those guys. Let's get Sally Struthers to come on. Is she still alive? And, uh, I don't know. I think she ate herself to death. But <laughs> do you remember those, yeah. those episodes of like South Park where they yep. showed her like eating all the food that was, that was so starving Marvin yeah yeah I remember starving Marvin yep, yep I remember <laughs> and like every commercial she would just get a little bit bigger <laughs> uh, yeah that was so I mean I always wondered how how they did all those episodes and not I mean I, I can't believe that they just didn't have lawsuit after lawsuit after <laughs> lawsuit I mean the Paris Hilton episodes alone were just the most brutal um I just I don't know how they I don't know how they're still around uh, and not just broke as fuck from all the lawsuits. Yeah, I, I have no idea about that too. I wonder about that all the time because you hear about, <laughs> hear about <laughs> from other you know shows and whatnot. Like, hey, like you know, don't put me on there. But like they like they made their yeah. living basically off of making fun of you know. I mean, I wonder issues. if they be like, okay, hey, uh, Sally Struthers, uh, this is Trey Parker. I'm gonna give you a quick heads up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't watch Channel 13 from 11 p.m. <laughs> to 12 p.m. on this date. And, in fact, don't ever turn on your TV again. But I'm going to give you some money. <laughs> <laughs> or a that's Twinkie. That's how I picture... Yeah, that's how I picture that. Go, yeah, or a Twinkie. <laughs> so bad. So, but we digress. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, the situation is, is on its way at this point to... I don't want to say being resolved, but I mean, I think now that the knowledge is out there and these filmmakers, they've been on the circuit for years now. I mean, they were on Oprah. They were on all the big shows. They won like Peabody Awards. They've won all kinds of awards. And don't get me wrong. Winning an award does not legitimize you in the face of you're a fucking a fake or not a fake. I mean, Correct. you can be a great fake and win all kinds of awards. But I think what these people have going for them is that the footage would have been very hard to fake considering the equipment that they need. I mean, they would have had to go into a foreign country or get a bunch of uh, American actors to all get together for this big conspiracy to film it, to look in a certain way, to tie up these kids. I mean, they weren't using high tech special effects. I mean, Wait, this no. was very raw footage. Right? Was, so, was Stanley Kubrick still alive at that point? Cause I know no. he faked the moon landing. No, Kubrick died in like, Oh, yeah, you're right. <gasps> Eyes wide shut. There yeah. we go. The next conspiracy theory was Stanley <laughs> yeah, Kubrick behind well, this. this. Yeah, this Well, this was <laughs> 1995 yeah. when the original film came out. I don't know what year they started filming. I mean, if this was something that was five years in the making or something, I just don't know. Wow. But, um, yeah, I just cracked the code. Could, <laughs> you did. You just cracked it. Are we in the Matrix? Possibly. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it just... Uh, it's it's a it's a question that I think it's still on the as I was doing research on the forums, people still talk about this. This mm-hmm. still gets brought up, even though now it's you know three years after ending the the policy in China. But the reality is that women are still viewed as second class citizens. Correct. The communist regime is a fucking cunt, and um, they still have control. At the end of the day they choose what happens with childbirth in that country. Yeah. They, they, they might be lax on it now, but who knows? But they, they still hold the reins and they still reserve the right to penalize you for not following 
their quote unquote childbirth laws. And, um, yeah, so they're, they're, they're fucking like rabbits right now over there. They're, (laughs) they're trying to have, they're trying to have as many kids as possible, trying to have as many girls as possible. So, um, I would say that right now I would not be surprised to start seeing more boys in orphanages than girls in areas that are trying specifically to up the female population. I don't know the percentages and, and any of that information, but, um, that's something that I have kind of started to see is that right now the women are starting to be viewed as more prized because of the necessity of the role that they play in helping get their civilization back on track. Wow. That is such a weird construct, man. Like it's almost like, like those, those underground breeding, like dog breeding kennels and whatnot. Like even that's fucked up, but it's just like, no, we're talking about human beings right here. We're not talking about German shepherds. We're talking about fucking human beings. Like, yeah. such a weird construct. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it's, it's, uh, you know, I don't know again. I mean, I don't know what's going on over there in China on the large scale anymore. And if this even really is a thing anymore, who knows, um, if this has just been still blown up out of proportion or if it is under control. Um, I'm not going to go to China to verify that firsthand. I'll fucking tell you that. Nah, I'm but good. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's still, it's still a thing as far as I can tell because the population crisis, um, it's not fixed there yet, but no. I don't know. They they take a super extreme methodologies to fix their problems, and they kind of always have. That's that's something they're known for, like hard line stance and no room for compromise, no room for outside position, no room for you know outside opinions. Um, it's very closed minded with the way that they run that government over there. Man. And maybe, I mean, the moral of it, too, I guess you could just be like, hey, that's what's going on over there. Let's try not to ever be like that. Did I lose you guys? No, I'm no. sorry. Can you hear okay. us? There we go. Cool. There you are. Sorry. Yeah. My uh, my headphones came out. I got super <laughs> animated when I was talking. I must have yanked them out. <laughs> okay, Alex Jones. So. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, Mike, do you have anything else? Uh, I think I think that's it. I think, uh, I think we have thoroughly examined probably the most fucked up element of recent culture that i can think of <laughs> i know i have yeah this is the the, the <laughs> worst feeling i've heard i've felt since uh, the dark web episode but in yeah but like i said the moral of it is just like hey let's use this extreme example to you know apply to ourselves and our own communities like hey let's not be like this you know so yeah and um so with that mike i thank you for coming on man that that is such a great topic and Oh, thank you. I appreciate you. You're more than welcome to come on any time, dude. I love hearing your voice. I, you can you can read me any story and rock me to bed, sir. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot all about that. Yeah, I might have to do a new uh, a new Christmas story for everybody this year and, and please uh, share it with the world. <laughs> yeah. So real quick before uh, you go, I know that you're like a master chef right now um, in your new job, um, and Thanksgiving is coming up. Do you have any plans this Thanksgiving? Or of course you have plans this Thanksgiving, but uh, do you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, yeah. Well, Thanksgiving is, you know, I'm I'm not a religious person. Um, my wife is a religious person, and for us, uh, I, I think Thanksgiving is is definitely one of our favorite times of year, regardless of the origin story of the holiday itself. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we we enjoy the getting the family together because for whatever reason that we don't do it all the rest of the year, those couple of times a year where we actually justify, okay. Let's put everything aside and just kind of make this about family and relaxing and getting away from work and getting away from all the hustle and bustle and just saying, you know, let's just celebrate us being together and get those few family members. So we do it every year. And 
Um, I often get volunteered to cook, but at the same time, I really like to cook. And uh, my wife is also a fantastic cook. So, Ooh. so yeah, we, we put on, we put on a fucking party. I mean, this, we, we pull out all the stops, um, you know, and then, uh, we, we, you know, we eat for days off of it. And yeah, you know, so we, the Turkey, you know, we do the traditional stuff and, Sometimes I do the brown, the brine turkey. Sometimes I do like uh, smoked turkey or the bag turkey. Ooh. But um, yeah, my wife, uh, she's she's the last few years done the turkey and it just comes out super fucking legit with crispy skin. And so mm. Mm. Uh, she 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 cooks that really good. And you know we do all the traditional shit. You know the mashed potatoes and the and the candied yams and the green bean casserole. But then we do like appetizers. So we'll do like a like a crab dip and a smoked salmon spread. And you know this year we're, I think we're gonna do some some uh, uh, goat cheese stuffed dates wrapped in bacon. Um, oh. So that <laughs> I know, right? What about and pies? Maybe on a nice little, nice little baked arugula. Um, <laughs> yeah, we do, we do the pies, but um, we we cheat on the pies because uh, you know you can buy a really fucking good pie now, and uh, we only got one oven, and so <laughs> you know cooking all that, cooking all that shit in the oven. I mean, you got to do some serious time staging on that stuff. That's so, true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's four hours to cook a turkey, and you know, it's it's an hour to to bake yams and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, yeah, but we do it all desserts, and it's it's overload. We we always cook way more than we need, but nobody leaves our house hungry, and and we send everybody home with leftovers, and you know, we make we make you know, I make chicken stock from scratch off the carcass, and um, you know, we wait. Whoa, that is yeah. cra- you make chicken stock from a carcass of a turkey. That yeah, is like, well, yeah. whoa, yeah, I, 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 mind I blown, right? No, no, cross, cross I think you're just a magician. <laughs> you're a magician, dude. You're a wizard. That's what I got yeah, from that. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yes, turkey stock from the turkey carcass. Oh, uh, that's not, not as exciting. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, fucking let, I let you down right Just there. so you know, Jacob and me this year, our family has never done this before. We were always kind of like a pumpkin pie, pecan pie type family, maybe a cherry pie mm-hmm. or something. And like mm-hmm. usually some store-bought, some my grandma makes. But Maybe a nice dingleberry pie. Oh yeah, yeah always, always. Oh, that. that's the week after, the whole week <laughs> after. But so we got ourselves. We're gonna make a sweet potato pie. Sweet nice. potato pie. <laughs> you're, gonna, so, you're gonna play the song in the background as you're making it. There's a song. There's a sweet potato pie. Are you serious? Yeah, I want to. I want to say it's a Bobby Brown song. Dude, okay, that's happening. Well, we're adding that element yeah, to it there. <laughs> that's getting put on a playlist. Yeah, um, yeah. thank you. Don't, don't quote me on the Bobby Brown, but it's definitely a song. Keep um, sweat so, or yeah. something like that. <laughs> I just thought yeah. we needed to add that to our, you know, our pie arsenal. Um, yes. So yeah. that's happening. So I'm going to come over to Jacob's house. Um, we always go, you know, do something as a family. Um, mm-hmm. Not at Jacob's house, but we're going to pregame it yes. and make a oh. sweet potato pie. With all nice. the fucking fixes. All the fixings. <laughs> all the fixings. Yeah. So, uh, so Thanksgiving definitely a big deal at my house, and uh, it's uh, definitely a, a time that my wife and I get to hang out and and just kind of uh, enjoy each other's company and enjoy the enjoy the family. And so we look forward to that every year. So I, I hope you guys have a badass uh, Thanksgiving too. You too, oh, sir. Thanks. You too. You hear that, China? This is how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> yeah, China, get your shit together and have a good fucking Thanksgiving. Yeah, but t- tell all the billion people out there to listen to R and Jacob do America, and this is how you should run your government. <laughs> <laughs> we are the we are the experts. So, That's right. Uh, That's right. Awesome. Anyways, Mike, it was lovely having you today. Um, I look forward to having you on again, sir. 
Yes, well, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, next year we'll have uh, Art and Jacob come on the Misery Point Radio and we'll uh, return the favor. Hell yeah, I'm down. <laughs> awesome. And I'll okay, be down as well. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, Keith, super awesome to meet you, man. Good to meet you too. All right, brother. All right. You cool. have a good one, man. Yep. Bye. All right, so that was episode 130 of Art and Jacob Do America featuring Keith Silvis and Mike Peacock from Misery Point Radio. Keith, um, you came into this kind of um, not having a lot of knowledge on the topic, and um, yeah. I, I, I prefer that, though, because I like those organic reactions. So how do you feel now, like, knowing uh, all that stuff? So, like, there's been, you know, we brought it up a couple times in this episode, but, like, the dark web really... Um, affected me <laughs> me as well i was i was down in a crawl space working in montana for like a week because i was working at a uh, restoration company and so i'm sitting there in like a mask and like you know we're spraying chemicals dealing with mold like whatever and it's just this dark hole and that is one of the episodes i remember listening to and like my surroundings were just perfect for like the terrible awful content um that they were discussing they did it in a pretty bright way and, you know, tried to keep it lighthearted as much as you can. Yeah. Um, but I just remember that episode being like, oh my gosh. And this one, it's like, wow, I'm actually here for this one. Um, definitely some jacked up stuff. I mean, yeah. wow. We like, covered it like back when we had Sam Sharon on last time, like like the things that make me most afraid. It's not like the boogeyman. It's not ghost. It's not fucking Annabelle or whatnot. Yeah, it's, it's fucking humans. like, it's real life shit, you know? And yeah. like, the whole time I'm watching this documentary, it's like your heart can't help but break a little bit. Like there, and it's just like that feeling of, like, what can I do? You know what I'm saying? There's nothing I can do from you know my little spot in Bakersfield, California. You know, like if I can't send money, I can't. You know, I can't. You no, know, go over there. You know, and fucking you know my gym shorts and fucking you know take on the Chinese government. Hell, the fucking American <laughs> government can't even do that. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, what can you do? And I think the only thing we can do, you know, as you know, responsible citizens, is bring awareness to it. You know. Um, you know, platforms like this, platforms like that documentary, um, Chinese Dying Rooms, um, is just bring some kind of awareness to it. Now, it, some of those, like he, he alluded to, like they, those documentaries might have a certain agenda or whatnot, but it still gets it out there, you know, and everybody just has to do their own due diligence. You know, hey, maybe Mike said something that was, you know, a misstep, or I might have said something was a misstep, but take that extra, um, you know, initiative and go research it for yourself you know just it be, it, while you're you know in between you know playing you know minecraft or fucking whatever you do you know <laughs> watching pro wrestling watching football fucking making a sweet potato pie for thanksgiving you know <laughs> you know take the time to research these things and bring just awareness to it you know don't just do it like you know coney 2012 like remember that everybody was hot for that you know for a while and you know that shit's still going on but because it's no longer in vogue there's no more awareness to it so I mean, that would be my advice to all of our listeners and just anybody who listens to this podcast or watches that documentary or whatever, just, you know, continue to bring, you know, awareness to it, you know, because these are, you know, innocent lives, you know, that didn't ask for this. And, you know, whatever God you pray to, you know what I'm saying? Like ask, you know, hey, for guidance, I guess you could say so. I got some other ideas on that too. Um, the world is big and it's filled with so much jacked up stuff. You know, there's jacked up stuff in our own backyard you know here in america there's jacked up stuff in china there's ja i mean you know it sounds like we're picking on china but there's jacked up stuff everywhere in oh, the yeah. world and it's overwhelming you know it really is um but i think that you know in addition to bringing awareness because that's huge um we can always find that 
that one person or that one life that we can change, that one problem that we can take on and fix. Obviously, we can't fix all the world's problems as one person, but, you know, um, you could sponsor a child somewhere. You could, you know, through like a, a private organization that just takes care of them, not, <laughs> yeah. not be donating money to these orphanages. But, you know, you could sponsor a child. You could adopt a child. I actually know of people who have adopted orphans you have a friend that was actually adopted from another country yeah he was he was korean i don't know how bad the situation would be over there but yeah he was an orphan um or his parents couldn't afford to have him Mm -hmm. and that's actually a really cool story he met them and um they're actually cool now yeah it's it's neat they they wanted him they just couldn't afford to have him and thankfully he's here and whatever the case um you know yes build awareness but also find that one thing that you can do to make the world a little bit better yeah Damn, Keith, fucking all deep and shit. This is supposed to be a a comedy podcast. (laughs) But anyway, I just want to shout out Mike one more time. I forgot to ask him, you know, to, you know, promote his podcast. But go find that, uh, his podcast on, you know, iTunes, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. He also is on the directory for the Podbelly Network as well. So shout out to the Podbelly Network. Um, There is two sections of podcasts there. There's official members, which... Art and Jacob Do America are a part of, as well as some other great podcasts. I'm wearing a T-shirt for the We're Not Sure Yet uh, podcast, who just did an episode with us last week um, about Paul is Dead. Um, you know, we'll be on their episode here. I, I believe it's around the Christmas time season, but we went ahead and recorded that as well. Um, you know, check out Nerds on Topic. Uh, there's Hell, Hillbilly uh, Horror Stories. You know, that's a good one as well. Um, the new Star Wars movie is about to come out, so go check out All Things Star Wars. Um, just a litany of great podcasts on there, as well as, you know, Misery Point Radio. He is on the directory, uh, the other side of that. So uh, check out his podcast. Um, follow him um, on Misery Point Radio as well on Instagram. And make sure you're following Art and Jacob Do America on Instagram as well. Um, on all things, we are at Art and Jacob Do America, except for on Twitter. We are Art and Jacob Do A1. So like I say every week, just picture Art and Jacob having a nice uh, Thanksgiving meal with, for whatever reason, putting A1 sauce on turkey <laughs> and sweet potato pie, if you will. <laughs> or just having steaks for Thanksgiving right, with A1. That should be a thing. Like like one, yeah. one of these years, like when like we take the reins of Thanksgiving, dude, like we should just have steaks for fucking oh, Thanksgiving. Dude. Remember the time we went to, what was it? We went to SeaWorld and we, we stopped <laughs> at McDonald's and like we were just like, well, I guess we can get the chicken sandwich. <laughs> I do remember that. It was the closest thing to a turkey dinner we were going to get that in. <laughs> I'm glad we stopped that because those, those trips were so stressful. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, so I should be releasing this episode um, around Thanksgiving time. So um, if it's before or after or, you know, well after, um, I hope you guys have a you know beautiful Thanksgiving. Make sure, you know, you spend time with your families. Uh, Mike said it, you know, put, put all differences aside because Lord knows every family has their differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, try to do the right thing and whatnot. But, um, hey, we love you here over at the Art and Jacob doing merch podcast. So, Keith, thank you for coming on again and filling Thanks in for, for art. Thanks for having me. Uh, anytime, dude. Nepotism is real. Heck yeah. <laughs> so with that said, everybody, have a beautiful night and have a happy Thanksgiving.